Well, if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's go to 1 John chapter 5. And uh, I am going to continue on what we've been working and talking about for the last, oh, I guess three weeks or so now. And uh, our, I guess our, our topic that we've been focusing on has been roots. And we've been really talking about getting established, getting fixed in the Word of God so that the Bible is not just a book or it's just, you know, this is what Christians do. We have to read our Bible that it becomes actually active in our lives so we can see it work out in our everyday living. I don't know about you, but that's what really turns my crank is when the Word of God, I can see it come off the pages and I can actually see it working in my everyday life. Anybody interested in that? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's why Jesus came. He didn't come to give you religion. He came to give you a relationship. And out of this relationship is birth a new way of living and doing life. Right? So that's what we want to discuss. That's what we want to talk about. And so all this time that over the weeks that we've gone by, and I know we have a, a few new people here this evening. We want to, again, so glad that you're here. <clears throat> and I don't want to make sure that you're kind of like, what, what are we talking about? We're going to be talking about faith. And, uh, you know, if you're kind of wondering what we have talked about previous to this night, uh, you can go back on our website, check it out. we got a podcast that you can follow as well and hear all the lessons that we've been going through because we've been really taking our time and allowing the Spirit of God just to really teach us as we go along in this series. And we talked about grace for a long period of time and that, you know, the grace of God is for us, but it has to be received and activated by faith. And we really found out that really a relationship with God is exactly that. It's by grace through faith. Everything God does is by His grace. That means you don't earn it. Kind of the song we sang, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. But still, His kindness is so rich in mercy, so rich in kindness, that He can't help Himself, but He wants to give. Now, who receives that? It's that those that use it by faith. So I take it, I believe it in my life. So that's how this relationship with God works. It's by His grace and it's through faith. And so we're going to get a little bit more into detail on that this evening, just talking a little bit about faith. Because, man, even this past two weeks, every time I'm, I mean, basically all that I'm, I'm the first one that gets to hear the message that I present to you. And I, I get so excited about that. Last week we talked about fighting. And I like fighting. Anybody else enjoy a good fight? Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lover. I don't want to do that. Well, in the Christian life, you're going to have to learn how to fight. Right? And we can take it out back if you want, but we're going to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And that's exactly what this Christian life is all about, is fighting the fight of faith. So I'm not going to get into too much detail on that because we covered that extensively last week. Uh, but I want to again just start in 1 John chapter 5. And if you've got a Bible, I'd encourage you just to look on your own page. Even though it's on the screen, there's something about seeing it in your own Bible. And I'm reading it to you from the New Living. Anybody else got a New Living Bible? Whoop, whoop, Jesus' Bible. All right, there we go. Okay. Oh, careful now, son. I know. We got some Pentecostals up in the house here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amplified? King James. Okay, good. Amplified. All right, that works. All right. First John chapter 5 and verse 1. Everybody found that? All right, maybe check with your neighbor. Make sure they got it. Make sure they're not in the you know, first Peter or something. First John chapter 5 and verse 1. All right, here we go. What's the first word? Everyone. Who does that include? Everyone. That includes everyone. But it says this, everyone, I'm going to just read it and then we're going to dissect it a little bit. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Verse 4, for every, everybody say every. Every child of God 
defeats this evil world and we achieve this victory through what? Our faith. Now say, through my faith. So it's through my faith. I can't depend on somebody else's faith all the time. God gave me my own faith. And through my faith, I defeat this evil world. Now, just in case that you didn't get that, just in case it didn't quite make sense to you, look at verse 5. And he goes again. And again, who can win this battle against the world? What's the answer? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. So let's just break this down. Let's slow this down a little bit. Uh, look again, verse 1, 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. I want you to see this here because I want to just encourage you again, you and I, just to go back to the very fundamentals of who you and I are. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a believer. Say, I'm a believer. believer. What do believers do? We believe. This is what we do. This is who we are. And again, I want us just, it's what we do. It's what we do, man. This is what we do. What do we do? We believe. Now, I want you just to really notice 1 John chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Everyone who believes has become. You will become what you believe. Now, I think this is so powerful. This is just a reality. You are basically what you are because of your belief system. But notice here, the moment you believed that I defeat this evil world, you do. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, we're going to talk about that. But according to the Bible, how does God see you? He sees you as an overcomer in this evil world. That's how he views you. That's how he created you. You may have been born a loser in this world, but you were born again to be a victor. Anybody born a loser here? You know, if you, yeah, I'm going to admit it. I was definitely okay. But what happened then, that's why Jesus said you have to get born again. Because when you get born again, the loser is gone, and now you become a victor. Now, because again, look at verse 5. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And how do we achieve this victory? We achieve this victory through our faith. Now, verse 5 again. It says, and who can win this battle against the world? Now, I want you to really see what the, the words that come on. Only those who what? Believe. Only those who believe. Now, so if somebody does not know Jesus or accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, can they defeat and battle against the evil world? No. There is absolutely no hope. So as Christians, this should be our greatest testimony. What? Not that we have pity parties and, oh, just come and hang around our tribe. We just we have a great ball team or we got great bake sales. And No. What are we? We are victors in this world. This should be the distinguishing mark. Or sissies. Anybody ever been to a wimpy or sissy Christian before? I have, and it's very unattractive. Lord Jesus, if there was on a scale of 1 to 10 for beauty, it would be a negative. Ugly. Man, so because what has God made you and I? A victor, a strengthener. This is what he's called you. So now, just because I am an overcomer does not mean that I'm overcoming. There's a difference. God calls you an overcomer. Well, even though the Lord says that, well, I may not be overcoming in certain areas of my life. Family, you know, relationship-wise, in my own physical health, in my own mental health. Lots of different things going on. I may not be overcoming. But here's the thing. God calls you an overcomer. So now we need to learn how to be an overcomer. Now, I think this is one of the things that as Christians we have to understand. Yes, I've been brought into the kingdom of God, but it doesn't end there. We have been brought out of darkness. We are now put into the kingdom of God's dear son. And in this kingdom, we have to think differently. We have to talk differently. We have to act differently. Why? Because we're no longer losers. 
Doesn't it feel good just to say loser in church? Man, no more being losers. And what happens? We are now victors. So again, I don't know about you, but I, a lot of my uh, background comes from a lot of sporting. So I played a ton of sports in my childhood. And uh, one of the things that we really, I played in Edmonton, a lot of soccer, and we had the top provincial team. We were number one in Alberta for years. I think it was about four years in a row that we won the provincials, went to nationals on regular levels and traveled North America quite a bit with it. But I just found out there's, you know, there's a little difference. Every time that our team took the field, there was something different about us. Our coach trained us. Our coach taught us. Our coach, you know, got all this information on how to be a winner. And he constantly talked that way to us consistently all the time. So anytime we went onto the field against another team that wasn't as good as us, you could tell that they were going to get their butt kicks. How? By the way they looked. They just talked. And they even walked onto the field and, they, you know, before the game you shake hands and just take it easy on us guys. When we heard that, we went, lunchtime. We are going to tear a strip off you guys. And that's the same way in the Christian world. We ought to be looking at the devil and go, come here, man, I'm going to rip the strip off you, rather than running away from him in terror over everything he's trying to do. We are on the offense. So again, I want to just look at this. Every child of God defeats this evil world. And how do we defeat this evil world? Through our faith. So say it again. Through my faith. It's through my faith that I defeat this evil world. So no matter what situation you may be facing, no matter what the struggle is, you are an overcomer. And we're going to talk a little bit about how do I overcome? What does it look like? Because, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, I don't have that on the screen, but I want you to see this because there's a different spirit about winners than there is losers. And 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13 this talks about the spirit of faith. Anybody ever heard that term, the spirit of faith? Show of hands, just show me real quick. You've heard the spirit of faith. Now, what does that sound like to you when you hear that? It's not so much, you know, like there's a, I mean, the spirit of faith, of course, is the Holy Spirit. But what is the spirit of faith? It's the, it's the culture within heaven. It's the culture of faith talk. It's the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom and how it speaks. Remember, in, I think it's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, that God has not given us a spirit of fear now that same spirit of fear there's a spirit of faith what's the difference between the two and you actually get a real close call here in second corinthians chapter four okay read it out to me what does it say as the psalmist says we have believed therefore we speak we too believe therefore we speak so what is the spirit of faith we believe something therefore we we speak. We say something. You know, even right now, no matter what your current state is, you are saying what you're believing. Whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not, everything that you're saying, you actually believe it. Right? To a certain degree. Right? There's some truth to what you, on the inside, this is what I believe. Well, the spirit of faith, when we're talking about 1 John chapter 5, verse you know, 1 through 5, the spirit of faith, we believe what God says, therefore, we speak what God says. Now, we have got to come to the place that we have believed the Bible so much that we say it all the time. I believe what God says, therefore I say it. I believe what Jesus did, therefore I... Come on, say it with me. I believe it, so I... I believe it, so I... This is the routine. This is how we live our lives. And as we went back, you know, previous weeks, this is how the just shall live. We live by faith. And faith is, I believe it, therefore I... Speak it. Say it. So we've got to get our believer correct here. 
right? But this is who you are. So don't think believing is so hard. You believe Jesus. How many of you believe Jesus? That's it. It was that hard to do. You believed him. So what happened? You heard the gospel. You believe what Jesus did for you and those for me. Therefore, come into my life. I am now a born again Christian. You believe something. You spoke it. And at that moment, you became a child of God. Man, that's delicious. So I need to know what a winning attitude is. I need to understand it. We're going to take these next few weeks as we go along this. We're going to talk about what is this winning attitude? What does it look like? What does it sound like? How do I get it? So these are the questions again that I want to talk about is how do I use faith? Faith in who? How do I get it? Can I get, can it get stronger? And what weakens it? So this is what I'm going to just take some time on. I, next week we have Chip Brim here, so I won't be here for that. But Chip's going to, is going to be awesome. For those of you who don't know Chip, Chip is, he's awesome. And uh, we're going to just talk about these questions because we really want to get it established because this is how we overcome this evil world is by faith. Yeah. Notice it doesn't say by just, oh, just prayer and God, I need prayer and God, I need this. It doesn't, it doesn't say I will defeat this evil world by begging to God. It doesn't say any of that. So it says by using my faith. So I want you to go to Romans chapter 12, <clears throat> verse 3 for a moment. And so again, I just want to make sure I ask this question, but how many of you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Okay, that's, that's you. So at this point, the moment you did that, of course the Bible says that you were a child of God, but I want you to see here for a moment at the end of this verse. This is Paul speaking. He says, I say through the grace given unto me to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly. Now notice this next part. As God, what has he done? has dealt to each one, what's each one? Every Christian, every believer, what has he given each one? A measure of faith. Now this faith was given to you by God, and it's not for you to use your faith, so I have faith in myself. It's not faith in principles. It's not faith in what I can do or who I am. This faith was given by God to come directly back to him. I, God gave me this faith so that I could turn around and use it back by trusting Him and receive from Him everything that He wants to give me. Right? Can you see that? So I'm going to just use this little illustration, but uh, I got a few balloons here. Anybody want a balloon? This is, these are Impact Life Church balloons. So these are... Um, there you go, buddy. That's, that's absolutely... Anybody else want a balloon here? Shelby, you need one. And, uh, yeah, okay. Can you guys just blow those up? Actually, you know what? I need that one, Johanna. I can't. I only have... I'll give you one after service. I got it. <laughs> I'm so glad that we don't do in children's ministry. That would be horrible. So what happens is now God, let's just pretend that this balloon here is your faith. This is your measure of faith. It belongs to you. Now the worst thing to do is just to leave it like this. God has given you and I the responsibility to grow, to develop, to protect, to harness, and to govern this faith. It belongs to you. So again, how many of you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? All right. What has happened? You got a balloon. So everybody pretend you got a beautiful red balloon as our two individuals here got them. You got that? So it's my job to... And it's up to me to develop it, to grow it, to strengthen it. But now again, I, I forgot my Impact Life shirt, church. And what I wanted to do is pretend that my, I got my Impact Life shirt, church shot on. And uh, what it's supposed to do... It's not for to put anywhere else or, you know, I'm going to use my faith and I believe it, you know, I'm going to put it in what Facebook says over here. Or this is what the doctor says over here. I'm going to put it in what somebody else says it over here. This faith is designed to come right back to God. It's from Him, so it goes back to Him. Can you see that? 
Just pretend I'm, I'm God here for a moment. And Shelby, can you just come up here for a moment too? So this faith that Shelby has, you're just connected back to me. Okay, it's, it's for her to use to receive back from me. And how she does it, she gets it. And of course, we're going to discuss that more in, in detail. But it's her faith. That's the point I really want you to see. It's, it's hers. Nobody can take it away from her. Nobody can pull it out of her hands. It belongs to her. It is her measure. Right? So everybody, just hold your gut for a moment. Your faith, say, my faith belongs to me. Nobody else can tell me what to do with it. Nobody can tell me what to say about it. This belongs to me. It's mine to develop. It's mine to grow. So I don't want my faith to look like this. It's not going to do us any good. Right? Don't pop yours. You're, you're good. You can, you can keep that balloon. Just wanted to show just real quickly. But you have been given the measure of faith. Now, the reason why it goes back into God, because that's where your victory comes from. So the first question I want to ask and answer this evening is, faith in who? Because it's not faith in my faith. It's not faith in my ability to believe God. It's faith in God. It's faith not even in His promises. It's faith in a person. This is, we have to get this. And I, I, this is what I want to spend some time, is talking about the character of God. You can count on Him. So I want you to go to Mark 11, chapter 20, or... Chapter 11, verse 22. And I'm going to just use this one verse. In the New Living Bible, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, what did he say? Have faith in, everybody say in, in God. Have faith in God. What happens when I lose my job? Have faith in God. What happens when sickness tries to attack my body? Have faith in in God. What happens when my family just seems to be go chaotic? Have faith in God. No matter what. This is the call for you and I is to have faith in God. Now not in how long I pray or how long I study. I don't have faith in any of my activities. My faith is in Him. Because that's only the... He gave me faith and it only works back on Him. I can't plug it into my works. I can't plug it into how cool I think I am, how good I worship, the church services that I go to. My faith has to be in God. And even sadly, you can't even put your faith in me. Oh, I'm just trusting Joel that he, if he better give a good message tonight or I'm going to lose it. It doesn't work that way. I hope that I get something he better be on tonight because I better get something. I need some help. I'm not your source. I will disappoint you very, very much. And I hate to do that. So just don't trust me. <laughs> so what do we do? We have faith in God. That's what we do. So even as I'm sharing, even as I'm laying out the Word of God to you, we're trusting the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. We're not trusting my words. We're not trusting what I can get across. We're trusting Him. And when your faith is in Him, the Bible says in Romans 10, you will never be disappointed. Isn't that wonderful? He, you will never be disappointed. So and really, you know, having faith in God, the way that the Lord showed this to me, it's having faith in His character. It's having faith in His character in who He is. It's because sometimes go, well, how do I have faith in God? It's not so much, okay, just in God. It's in who He is, in who He say that He is. Because I'll just, you know, I guess I'll jump ahead for a moment. But when God is trusted, it honors Him. It, it honors Him. When He's not trusted, it's disrespectful to Him. Why? Because we're questioning His character and in fact, 1 John chapter 5, if you read later on, we actually call him a liar. If I don't trust God, 
it actually dishonors him. So as Christians, no matter what the circumstances are, my job, my role is to trust him. Everybody say, I trust you, Lord. Now listen, your entire eternity, for those of you who accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, your eternity is based on what he said. You're trusting his character that he's going to save you when that day comes. <laughs> How do you know you're not going to the lake of fire? Well, the lake, lake of what? Yeah, lake of fire. It's hot. For eternity. How do you know you're not going there? Because I have faith in what he said up to me about it. I trust his character. I trust that what he says is true. Right? Can you see that? Is this, is this making sense that just, you know, shoot me an IR-5 or something like that? I just want to make sure. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about this. Just the nature and character of God. I want to just list off two things. The first one is God cannot lie. He can't lie. And I know you may have heard these things, but I, I just, this has really came strongly in my heart as we were, this week, we were praying for this, the church family. We do that on a daily basis. We just continue to pray and just ask God to open up our eyes as a church family. But we pray for marriages. We pray for couples. We pray for individuals. We pray for kids. We pray for older people. Whatever. We pray for the whole family because there's an assignment on this church family that we need to get accomplished. And first of all, we got to know who our God is. And so the nature of our God is He cannot lie. And I want to show you a couple of these verses. So Numbers verse 20, sorry, Numbers 23 verse 19. It says this, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. Has he ever spoken and failed to act? Let me just ask you that question. Has God ever spoken and failed to act on it? Now, I know you, the Christian answer is to say no, and that's the true answer. But I want you to really think about it for a moment in, in your own personal life. In, I mean, if you read throughout the scriptures, all the stories you know in the Old Testament, everything you see in the New Testament... Has God ever said something and then failed to act on it? No. It, it, it's impossible for him to lie. Now notice the last one. He says, has he ever promised and not carried it through? No. Now, your and my life, it hinges on this verse. You are completely dependent that God cannot lie. And the next one I want to show you is uh, go to Hebrews chapter 8 or 6. And if that's too much turning for you, you can just look on the screen. Uh, but it says here, so God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things, his promise and his oath, are unchangeable because it is what? Say it with me. It is what? Impossible. Now we're talking about Jehovah. We're talking about God here, right? Now to use the word impossible beside God is very seldom do you ever see that. Because we read it in you know, Matthew's gospel that with God all things are possible but when it comes to lying there's something that actually god he can't do he doesn't know how he's incapable of actually doing it and what is that lying god doesn't know how to lie now if you think about it if god were to say one lie what would it do to your faith it would destroy it oh in fact if you read hebrews chapter one this whole earth is spinning because of his word if he said one lie, guess what would happen to you? You would cease to exist. You would blow up. Every molecule that's connecting your body together would disintegrate and be completely gone. Why? Because this whole universe is held together by his word. So if he said one lie, 
everything about you, everything about this earth, everything about the galaxies, he himself, God himself, would cease to exist because everything that he does is through his word. Think about that for a moment. He cannot lie. It's impossible for him to do it. He doesn't know how. And I like that. He, I mean, think about it even in your own personal life. I mean, Proverbs says that God hates lying. Now, how many have ever been lied to before? What did it do to your confidence with that individual? <laughs> Wrecked it. Just in that moment. All of a sudden, somebody said something to you, and you believed them, found out a month later it was a complete shambles, a complete lie. What did it do to your trust with that individual? Next time they gave you a promise, what happened? Hello, what happened? Oh, I'd say, yeah, I, I trust you, I trust you. No, what happened? Gone. The trust is completely gone. Right? Well, how much more with our Father? So he's basically saying, trust me. I can't fail you. Right? So this is the first characteristic that I wanted us to realize, is that God cannot lie. And you, if you look at verse 19 on your phones or whatever you got, this actually, this reality that God cannot lie is the anchor for your soul. It's the anchor for your soul. Because you know what, what when we talk about faith, I'll just give you kind of a, uh, a big picture shot here for a sec about faith. The ultimate reason for faith, according to 1 Peter chapter 1, I believe it's verse 8 or verse 9, is that you get the salvation of your soul. The reason why you have faith is so that your soul can be saved. Hmm. Interesting. But that's the whole point of it. Look at, I'll just read verse 19 for those of you who don't have it. It says, this hope, oh, let me finish it here. Uh, these two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. And verse 19 says, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The whole reason of faith is for the salvation of your souls. Now, when you find out God cannot lie, what does it do to your soul? I can trust him. Okay, I, I got this. Because really, you're putting your confidence, your trust, your faith in somebody's character. Now, I know faith is a spiritual virtue. It's a spiritual power that you have on the inside of us. But also, don't forget, your soul is vitally connected to this whole thing. You can't believe somebody apart from your soul. So this is why he says that this is the anchor for your soul. When I found out the reality that God cannot lie, and I didn't just hear it, but I actually believed that, what happens? Now I can fling myself to Him. I can throw myself at His Word because I trust Him. And where is that? It's because my soul is now understood. I can trust Him. He's not going to mess me over. He's not going to say one thing and do something completely otherwise. I trust His character. And now my soul is anchored in who He is. Even though everything out here is going to change, even though everything out here could be completely opposite, my soul is anchored because He cannot change. <sighs> kind of gives you a real like, you know, big comfy chair type of, ah, I can, I can rest in this, right? Okay. The second thing I want to bring up is God is faithful. Everybody say that with me. God is faithful. It's who he is. And I want to just give you a couple scriptures. Uh, Hebrews 11, 11. And I'm going to just show you Abraham and Sarah, and I'm going to just touch on them for a moment as we go on. We're going to really dive into Abraham and Sarah because they are the father of our faith. And uh, the way that they believe God as a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man to conceive and have a baby? Come on, somebody. Don't, wouldn't you want to chest bump Abraham? How? Wow! 
Sarah, 90-year-old woman, you gave birth at 90? I don't know about you, but that's just amazing to me. Like, Jesus, wow. But Hebrews 11.11, 11, um, do we have it in the Passion or no? Maybe not. Okay. Notice this. Because of faith, and every time you see faith, I want you to think this is the overcoming tool. This is the victory tool. Because of this overcoming tool called faith, Sarah herself received physical... Notice that. Do you see that in connection? Because of her faith, she what? Received. Because of this tool, she received something. She used the tool and she received. Come on, do you see it? She used the tool and she received for her, for her specific case. What God told her, you can have a baby. She received physical power to conceive a child even when she was long past the age for it. Because she, now notice this, this is why she used her faith and she received, this is why she used her faith, because she considered God who had given her the promise to be reliable and trustworthy and true to his word. She considered God to be true to his word. That's it. People are thinking some kind of magic thing that you throw around. This is it right here. She considered God to be faithful to His Word. So what happened? She used her faith. She received strength. Now where does it start? It starts with me making a belief system. I believe that my God is able. I believe that He is faithful to do what He said He will do. At that moment, faith is activated. I go, God, I believe what you told me. And what happens? He, I now receive whatever it is I need from Him. Can you see how this works? This is the grace and faith in action right here. Let me just read it to you. I want you to just perk your ears up for a moment. In Hebrews 11, 11, again, with the Passion Bible, it says, Sarah's faith embraced the miracle power to conceive even though she was barren and was past the age of childbearing. Now, here's the part. For the authority of her faith rested in the one who made the promise. Now, notice her focus wasn't even on the promise. Her focus was on the one who made the promise. This is what you said. So I'm holding you to that. And then what happened? And she's tapped in to his faithfulness. If you look in the, in the Passion Bible, if you have a phone, you can just change it real quick. At the very end, it says she tapped in to his faithfulness. This is who he is. And how did she tap in? She wrapped her faith around what he said. I believe it. I believe God said this. So what happened? She put herself around it. So what did she do? She tapped into his faithfulness. I want you to see this. Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 21. Now this is about Abraham. I have it on the screen. It says, Abraham, what does it say? Was He was what? Fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. This is what we're aiming for. We're aiming to get fully convinced. Because when you're fully convinced... Now you can start doing something. So this is where I want. This is where it all starts. If you're wondering, man, I'm not. I'm not living the victorious life. I'm not seeing things happen in my life. I'm still struggling in this area. Not seeing this taking place. The question I want to ask you is: Are you fully convinced? Are you totally convinced that God is faithful to do what He said that He would do? Because if you're not, that's where the missing link is. And so, how do I get that? You just. And we're going to talk about that. You just have to spend some time dwelling on His faithfulness. Think about it. Talk about it amongst yourselves. Remember all the times he's been faithful to you. And I'm going to continue on our little study. You, everyone okay here? I know it's... Yeah, yeah okay. It's good. 
Uh, the word faithful, I'm going to give you two definitions. From the, the Hebrew word, faithful is aman. So I just kind of, aman. If, if you're wondering, man, I need to know some Hebrew. Ah, aman. It's probably just not aman. They got a lot of that in their language. But aman. And when you hear the word aman, remember the Hebrew language is not so much word, it's pictures. Right? They give pictures. And so the pictures that this word gives with it is permanent. Anybody like a permanent marker? Anybody, every time you had a young kid or something, grab a permanent marker and put it on your nice white table? Yes. Praise the Lord, I've had that. What happens to that permanent marker? Does it come off? Come on, so does it come off? No, it's permanent. It's there forever. It's there for good. I'm fine. I just have a little, little issue with my white table. But the next word it gives is firm. This is, again, the Hebrew definition for faithful. is permanent, firm, changeless, and loyal to love. That's what it is. This is who he is. He is a loyal love. He is changeless. He is firm, and he is permanent. And Deuteronomy 7, 9, in the New Living, it says this. Understand. Now, I mean, we read these words, but I really got to take some time to listen to this. Understand. That involves you getting it, right? Spending some time thinking on it a little bit. Understand that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the... Everybody say it with me. He is the faithful God who keeps His covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes His unfailing love on those who love Him and obey His commands. So every time you see the word faithful, He is the faithful, He is the permanent, He is the firm, He is the changeless, He is the loyal love God who keeps His covenant. He's not about to change it. Remember, I think we got to keep in mind that God is a God, He's a covenant-making God. He's not about contracts, He's covenant. So no matter how badly you may have screwed things up, He is still in covenant with you, and He will still fulfill His side of the covenant. Aren't you thankful for that? Because if He was just, you know, if we were married to Him, like a lot of, you know, natural marriages are in these days, sadly, we'd be divorced a long time ago. But thank God He is not going to divorce you because you make a mistake. He never will. Why? Because He is loyal love. He cannot change. A couple of other verses. It's Psalm 86, 15. In the Passion Bible it says, But Lord, your nurturing love is tender and gentle. You are slow. Now no, notice this. This is, this is talking the characteristics of God. God, you are slow to get angry. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for that? Yeah. He's slow to get angry, yet so swift to show your faithful love. You are full of abounding grace and truth. Now, so if you're wondering, if you're having a hard time, if you're not experiencing victory in some areas, it could be that you're not fully convinced on what he told you is actually true. So what do I do in that case? Let me encourage you, meditate on this verse. Spend some time, Psalm 86, 15. Just spend some time talking to yourself throughout the day. Lord, you, you are slow to get angry, yet you are so quick to show your faithful love to me. That's who you are to me. So, Lord, I thank you for showing that. Just talk to yourself throughout the day over and over on some of these verses. And the next verse I want to show you is Psalm 119, verse 90. It says, your faithfulness flows from one generation to the next. So you kind of look at previous generations. Oh, God, you were good for Moses. I mean, you parted the Red Sea. Oh, God, you did that for Daniel. You did that for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You did that for Jesus. You did that for Paul. You did that for the disciples. But it says this, from one generation to the next. Just as faithful as he was back in the Old Testament... He's going to be just as faithful to me. He can't change. 
Remember? He's steadfast. He cannot change. He's permanent this way. What I'm trying to do is I'm just building your faith in Him. This is who He is. And, uh, you know, just last verse I don't have on there. But Psalm 37.3, this is a good one for you just to, to keep for yourself. It says this in the Passion Bible, Keep trusting in the Lord and do what is right in His eyes. Fix your heart on the promises of God and you will be secure feasting on His faithfulness. Feast on it. How do you feast on His faithfulness? Recall all the times that what He did for you. Well, He hasn't done anything for me. Well, start right here. I'm not going to hell. <laughs> if you just actually really thought about that, you would wake up every morning, no matter what you felt like, no matter what the day was like, no matter the kids woke you up at 2 in the morning. If you understood that you aren't going to hell, you would wake up every morning celebrating, God, I'm not going. What could you do? Feast on that. And what happened after that? Just start being thankful. Lord, I have a bed. <laughs> Thank you. I have hot water. Thank you. I have a block heater in my car. Thank you. <laughs> so, like you got to feast on this. And you know what? Actually, Pastor Sheila said this not too long ago at prayer. But she found herself actually tapping into the presence of God quicker by feasting on His faithfulness. When you just wake up every morning, because you're kind of thinking, well, how come it, it takes so long for me to get into the presence of God? Not if you practice this. If you start feasting on His faithfulness, you know what will happen? It'll come so quick. You wake up in the morning and you go, Lord, thank you. And at the moment you said thank you, He's there in the room and you know it. How do you do that? You feast on His faithfulness rather than, oh man, is it minus 17 again? It's so easy. Listen, I, I, I'm guilty of it. But it's so easy to fall into that trap. And what happens? You get those. This, this is what's going on. And you get so far. My kids were up at 3.30 in the morning. What's wrong with him? And you kind of go down this whole spiral. And all of a sudden, your day sucks. And you're wondering, what happened? Feast on his faithfulness. It changes everything. And listen, your kids will like it. <laughs> your kids are going to benefit from it. Anyways, preaching to myself. Okay. Faithful in the Greek, or in the New Testament now, in the Greek, it's the word pistis. I'm going to say pistis. Now don't stop at piss. you got to tis. Pistis. <laughs> and that word in the Greek, it means he's trustworthy, he's loyal, he's consistent, and he's reliable. And this is the way that the Lord said it to me, Joel, you can count on me. And I know we use that term quite often, but I just think about it. I go, yeah, like, I, there's a few people in my life when they say, Joel, you can count on me to do that, I believe them. And at the moment, I say, okay, I just, oh, they're going to do that? I know it's done. Why? Because those are people I can count on. Well, God, for God just to say that to you and I, you can count on me. What does that mean? I can trust Him. If He said it, oh, okay, God, okay. So especially the day and age that we live in, there is a lot of fear because of all the things that are going around us. But you know what? God says that I got your kids. You know what that does for me? I can trust you on that. Rather than freaking out, letting fear come in, no, I believe, therefore I speak. I believe what God says. He's got my children. No matter what hell tries to come at them, they are untouchable because they are in the, the care of my Father. And my God said this, so they actually have no choice but to be protected. Whether they try to break out of it or not, they have no choice because I'm in covenant with Him. And He said this to me, so be it. Man, can you just see what a, what a load off that just does to you? Oh, it, it, God is the caretaker. Oh, he said that He would meet all of your needs. Do you believe that? 
this is different. You, you come to the point when you really believe it, what's going to happen? If you actually believe it, you'll start speaking it. So what, what I'm really saying, your mouth will really tell on what you believe. So if you could really just take some inventory of what you're saying, you'll find out actually what you believe. And I did that for my own self, and I thought, dear Lord, I am not trusting God here. I'm, man, I'm fleshing out a little bit. I'm, I'm getting angry at what's going out over here. So I really had to redefine some of these things. Why, why this thought came? Okay, what, wait a minute. Why do I want to punch this guy in the face? You think, you look at me so holy as if that never thought ever crossed your mind. And you go, why is that there? Okay, maybe, Lord, there's something I'm not, I'm not feeding on or I'm not being trustworthy in what you said you were. So I just go back to that. I'm going to feed on a little bit. Okay, that's settled. I'm glad you figured that out. Okay. So 1 Corinthians 1.9, it just says, God is, what is he? Faithful to do what? What he says. What did he tell you? So whatever he's told you, guess what? He's faithful to do it. Has he not said and will he not do it? Of course he will. He said he'd save you. What happens? I'm saved. <laughs> he said he'd heal your body. So what is it? I'm healed. He said it. So you got to count, you got to hold him accountable to what he says. Right? Okay. Next verse is Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. And I think I have it in the app. Yeah, it says this. So it says, let us seize and hold fast and refrain, or re sorry, retain, without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is what? Is reliable, he's sure, and he is faithful to his word. Count on him. That's all it is. So when Jesus said, have faith in God, can you, like this is God speaking about God. <laughs> can you see this? He's just saying, guys, trust me. There is nothing greater, because we talked about this a couple weeks ago, Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please Him. You can see God is just looking for somebody who will believe Him. This was a while ago when I was youth pastoring, I remember I'd be, I spent a lot of time in this Word, I mean, just because of how my hours looked like here and I'm meeting with students and they were in school all day. So when I had full hours here, I would spend hours in this Word. I would spend hours in the sanctuary over there. I'd just spend time praying and you know, enjoying my relationship with the Lord. And one day he actually said to me, Joel, when are you going to start believing what I said? Well, I am. Well, according to how I was living my life, no, I wasn't. So it was just a wake-up call. But I want to encourage you, when are you going to start believing what he says? What is it going to take? Because you, you will take whatever Facebook says. Here's a great article. Read it. You jump on that and go, oh, man, I believe that's good advice. You jump all over that, yet the Word of God is here. When are you going to start believing this? When are you? You hear the word of a doctor and you go, man, that's good. And thank God that they give you that, that advice. Thank God for all that. But when are you going to start believing what God says? Start taking His Word. says His Word is like medicine if you need it for health-wise. When are you going to start believing what he said? Because look, he is ready, more willing and ready to answer your prayer, what you need, than you are actually asking him. According to him being faithful, means he's reliable, trustworthy. He is basically begging, somebody trust me. He's looking for it. So I don't know about you, but I want him to keep his eyes on me. Lord, I trust you. I want you, I want, doesn't, I, Lord, I trust you, I trust you. I want him to be pleased with that. Because again, it honors him. Jesus tells us to have faith in God, meaning to have faith in His character. Because as I said, when we trust God, it honors Him. He loves it when you trust Him. He loves it. There's nothing greater that you can do for God than simply, I trust you.
Can we just say that to him just for a moment? Just close your eyes. And just, you're not saying this because I'm saying it, but I want you just to say, Father, I trust you. Say it to him. Men, in what situation you're facing, no matter how difficult it may be, Father, I trust you. Whatever you want, whatever you tell me, I will believe it. Amen. Amen. Now, uh, I got about 10 more minutes, so can I finish it up real quick? So once I count him faithful to do what he says, now notice this, that this is the part. So once you've taken the time and really investing in yourself, God is faithful. I got that. I believe it. I'm fully convinced that what he says, he will do it. Now notice now my my next step, my next phrase for myself is, now I will go to him. Not the last resort. Can you see this? When I finally trust Him and I'm fully convinced, just like Sarah, just like Abraham, that I count Him faithful to do what He says, I will go to Him at the moment that something is going off in my life. I will go to Him first, not, oh, I guess I should pray about this. Has it come to that? Right? I go to Him first off. Why don't people go to Him first? Because there's other answers elsewhere. I, I can get it from there. I can get it from there. But I want Him to be my first place of contact. Does anybody else want that? Now, how do you get there? Is by me trusting Him. Is this making sense? Are you seeing this? Because the moment that you have this trust, and I want to go to James chapter 1. I Sorry, I do not have this on the screen. But James chapter 1 in the Amplified, not the classic, the new Amplified. James chapter 1, 5 through 8, because the moment that I go to Him, because I'm convinced that He's faithful to do what He says, I'm no longer wishy-washy. And I find this is the biggest struggle in the Christian life is right here in James chapter 1 because we are actually wavering with God. Will he do it? I don't know. Well, maybe he will. So I trust him one day, then I don't trust him the next. And what happens, and I'm going to show you, James chapter 1 and verse 5 in the New Amplified Bible, it says this. If you have a phone, I would really encourage you to just turn there. Oh, there it is. It says, if any of you, who's that? Any of you lacks wisdom, or I'm going to just say, if any of you lacks anything right wisdom is one of the greatest tools that wisdom is the principal thing we need wisdom in all things but if any of you lack anything for this case he's talking wisdom if any of you lack wisdom to guide him through a decision or circumstance he is to ask our benevolent father or God now notice this who gives to everyone how generously this is our God he gives to everyone generously And notice this, without rebuke or blame, and it will be given to him. Now, why does he say without rebuke or with blame? Because he's not going to go, why didn't you know this, dummy? What's wrong with you? Why couldn't you figure that out? He's not going to do that. If you need wisdom, if you need some guidance on a situation, you can go to him and ask our giving God, and he will just give it to you. But now, Mm. notice this, verse 6. But, everybody say but. Now, even though he's a generous giver, Notice this, but he must ask for wisdom or for anything. How? Okay, so do you see this? This is where this is the biggest thing right here. He must ask how? In faith. Let me just read and we'll dissect it. Without doubting God's willingness to help, for the one who doubts is like a billowing surge of the sea that is blown about and tossed by the wind. Verse 7. It says, for such a person ought not to think or expect that he will receive anything at all from the Lord. Verse 8, 
Being a double-minded man, he is unstable and restless in all of his ways in everything he thinks, feels, or decides. So let's just break this down here again a little bit. Verse 5, it really clearly lays out that God is the greatest giver. He will give to anybody, no matter what. Can, can you see this? This is our God. God is not having his arms crossed. God's arms are not in his pockets. He is a free giver for whatever you need. Then verse 6 says, what? But he must ask in faith. What is asking in faith? Asking in faith is asking that you are persuaded that he is faithful to do it. Do I need to say that again? I'm, I'm believing God for utterance. I'm believing God that He's bringing this so that you see it for your own life. Because this is it right here that separates the victors from the victims. Those are people that see results in their Christian life and right here the people that see nothing. It is right in this moment. So what, is it, what does it mean when you are asking in faith? It is asking that you are asking persuaded that He is faithful to do what He said. When you ask in faith, you are confident that you are going to get exactly what you ask for. Right? Because a doubter, you know, I just looked up the definition of a doubter. It's someone who lacks conviction. They're fearful. They're unsure. Anybody ever met somebody who's kind of a doubter? You know, it may work, it may not. <laughs> Doubters, and it says, are like the waves at sea. They are tossed by the wind. So any the waves at sea, they are tossed by the wind. So anybody ever, you know, go to the lake or you've been to the ocean or something like that before, and it's a real windy day, what do you see the waves? If, if you're in the middle of the lake and you're sitting on a boat or something like that, what do you see the waves do? Up and down. Up, down. To the side and to the other side and to the diagonal and to over here. This is what it looks like for someone who is not fully convinced in what God said. What are they? Oh, maybe... I hope so. Yes, he's going to do it for me. Oh, but this is how I feel. This is what somebody else said about it. Okay, I believe you, God. I believe you, God. Oh, I don't know anymore. Worship wasn't as good as last week. Oh. And you are wall over the map. And it says in verse 7, that person ought not to think he shall receive anything of the Lord. Now, let me just break that. Why won't I receive anything? It's not because it wasn't God's will, but it's because I'm not persuaded. God is looking for fully persuaded people. He can't, it's not that God's going, oh, you're not fully persuaded. I can't, I'm not going to do it for you. He can't give it to you. He needs somebody totally convinced in what he said he would do. He needs faith in order to get grace to you. How many of you are convinced without a shadow of a doubt that you are going to heaven? Okay. What does that do for you? You're not, oh, I don't know if I am. Ah, ah, I did this bad thing. Maybe I'm going to hell. You are all over the map. And the Bible says you're not going to get anything from the Lord. Can, can you see this? So when you get fully persuaded that God is faithful to do what he says, the wishy-washy is gone. The un, you know, unknowingness is completely gone from your life. And verse 8 again, let's just look at this. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So not only are you not going to receive anything from the Lord, but in your decision-making, in your, you know, the things that you want to do in life. Anybody ever meet somebody, oh, I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? I don't know, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? I don't know. Lack of decision. All of this is no faith. 
you kind of see if, if you if that's even in your own personal life. I had to get this corrected in myself. Is there anything specifically that you'd like to eat? Oh, whatever you want. No, he asked you a question. Is there anything you, that you'd like? And then they suggest, let's go for seafood. And then I'm like, shoot, no. Right? Or let's have some tacos. And then I'm like, <laughs> please no. <laughs> so instead I'm just like, let's go get a chicken burger or something. Let's go get, uh, let's go to, you know, whatever I like to eat, pizza. Let's just do that. But it's, it's everywhere. A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So if you're finding yourself not being able to figure out, oh, do I want this, do I want that? Am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Am I here? Should I get involved? Should I not? Am I going to get involved in tithe? Am I not? It's actually wrecking you. So what can I do to go back to all this? I'm going to get established that God is faithful to do what He says. So it's so hard to have faith in God. People are saying, oh, I believe God for this. I believe God for that. But before all that, do you believe that God is doing what He said He'd do? The moment you can say without a shadow of a doubt, yes. At that point, you can go to him on this level and expect to receive because you're not going to be all over the map. You're going to be, I got it. I prayed, therefore, I receive it. It's mine. I got it. But you don't look like it. It doesn't look like anything's changing. It doesn't matter. God heard me, therefore, it belongs to me. Right? Can I just show you? Go to uh, 1 John chapter 5 there for a moment and verse 14 and 15 just to kind of nail this this part here. I have about four more minutes, so I'm going to wrap it up real quick. First John chapter 5, look at verse 14. And notice this, after he's talking about this is the victory that overcomes the world, it's our faith. Verse 14, it says, and we are confident. Everybody say confident. This is what the Christian life is missing. Confidence. Well, I hope God heard me. No, I am persuaded. God says that by my stripes you are healed. I believe that I am the healed. Listen, we, we, I, I had an experience with this last night. I came home from work and my son, Jace, had a just crazy stomach cramps. Like, like this, for what's going on in this boy. This boy is running wild. This is who he is. For him to want to go to bed early is like, come again. Can you do that on any kind of night? Just... He was hurting. Papa, I gotta lay down. I'm so done. And he was screaming. He was yelling. And so I had to just stop and say, Lord, I trust you. Now, this is where the fight is. This is the fight of faith. He says, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold to what eternal life. Lay hold to what he said. This is what he said. Because I'm not fighting the stomach cramp. I'm not fighting that. What's my fight? My fight is to hold on to what he said. He said that I will take sickness and disease from the midst of you and the number of your days you shall fulfill. So I know it's just a stomach cramp. You can kind of go, oh, just, you know, sleep it off, whatever. I said, no way, not in my family. We are going to have a nice dinner. I came home from a long day of work. We are going to sit together as a family. We are going to do our memory verse. We're going to read our Bible. Then we're going to have our dance party. Satan, you are not going to interfere with that. So what do we do? We laid hold of the word. I took my Bible, said, Jace, let's look at this right here. First, or First Peter 2, 24. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. I said, Jace, do you feel healed? No, I don't. I said, good, I didn't ask you. <laughs> what do I have to go by? Am I going to go by what you think or what you feel, Jace, or am I going by what the Bible says? And Jace, Bible, Papa, we're going to go by what God says. He's kind of doing this. So I said, Jay, say this with me. By Jesus' stripes, and of course he, by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. He goes, I am healed. And I said, stomach pain? He said, stomach pain? Leave. And he went, 
leave. And about, oh, about two minutes later, completely, completely gone. And what did he do? He came off that couch. He ran back and sat on the couch and said, I'm hungry. This is the fight of faith. This is what we do, but we've got to stop. Where do I believe? I believe that he is faithful to do what he's... That's where it all starts. You can't just go, okay, uh, uh, Lord, I, I believe that, I believe that this, you're going to take this away from him. It doesn't start there. It starts with, do I trust him that he's going to do what he said he'd do? That's where this whole thing begins. Has he said it? Will he not perform it? Has he spoken? Will he not fulfill it? Lord, I trust your word on this. I believe you said that. So what am I doing? I'm simply believing, therefore... I speak. And that's how it works. Right? Now notice this. Verse 14. And we are confident. Say confident. confident. How many of you can say the last time you pray that you are confident that He heard you whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him? Verse 15 goes on to say, And since we know that He hears us when we make our requests, we also know that He will give us what we ask for. I don't know about you, but there is no doubt in that. That's simply, Lord, I'm asking for wisdom. If that's what you need, I'm asking you for, I need ideas, I need wisdom in this particular situation. I don't know what to do here, Lord, but I'm believing you. I know you are faithful to give it to me because you are true to your word. I need wisdom in this situation. Now, I believe, I receive it, and I am confident that you're going to give it to me. What happens? And he also know that he gives us whatever we ask for. This is now what I think. I don't think, okay, God, I need it now. I need it now. No, I'm just believing, Lord, you, I got this. Thank you. You give it to me. I receive it right now. And throughout the day, I'm saying, Lord, thank you that I have the wisdom for this situation. I'm so grateful that you gave me the mind of Christ. Thank you that you make me smart than all the teachers, according to Psalm 119. You make me wiser than all the counselors. Thank you for that. I believe I receive it. And what happened? The wisdom came for this situation. Can you see how this works? Okay. <laughs> An unstable individual is someone who is unsure and the result is no receiving. God's word doesn't change. If we take the time to allow the word to get in us and we get rooted in what he said, we will live a stable life. I don't know about you, anybody interested in a stable life? What does that mean? It is a life that is consistent. What happens when drought comes? What happens when famine comes? What happens when people say this and persecution comes? I live the exact same way same way. How could Jesus do it?